And so we breathe in all that we have been. Breathe out. We try to keep it steady, but then life gets in the way. Sometimes. Life gets a little loud. But we breathe. Sometimes it's hard to hear because our ears are clouded. Everything is just so muffled. We breathe. And sometimes when the stress gets to be a little too much, we feel like we are just stretched too thin. And yet we still breathe. So we listen to stay on the path, the path where spirit is, and that is everywhere. And so loving God, in these moments, we recognize your presence all around us, and we recognize it within us. We have called us to listen. And so, God, we listen. We listen from our past. We listen all around us in the present. And, God, we listen to where you are leading us to the future. And so we open our ears and our eyes to hear and see all the goodness of our God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. People of God, on this last Sunday of Black History Month, this is the second Sunday of Lent. Of course, I want you to imagine now. You just heard a beautiful spiritual that came from our sanctuary choir. Imagine now this song and those who would sing it. Imagine slaves and abolitionists, Christians and humanists, all working together and working towards freedom and emancipation. And imagine slaves who have barely escaped the misery of life on a plantation, and trying to head up north to freedom, trying to get to the promised land. And so they travel all night, hoping they can make it, listening for every sound, listening for potential foxes, listening for hens, and listening for Spirit's direction to lead them so they can get to the place where they can say amen. And so abolitionists and slaves and their allies listen for what will give them the strength to keep on moving on. And that's why you hear in a song like this, you hear words like keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Words like children, don't get weary till your work is done. 
And so I ask you, what are you listening for? What is going to give you strength on your journey? Because you must be listening to something. Because the journey can be quite exhausting. Some of you this morning might be a little tired. Maybe you had a late night. Or maybe you're tired because in all your brilliant wisdom, you decided to give up caffeine for Lent, right? <laughs> or maybe it's something a little more existential. Maybe you're tired of just being. Maybe you're tired of struggling all the time. Maybe you're tired of paying bills and tired of being the butt of everyone's jokes. Maybe you're tired of always feeling guilty. Maybe you're tired of looking in the mirror and looking at junk. Maybe you're tired of not being appreciated. Or maybe you're tired of waking up every Monday morning and dreading the next few days that will definitely suck the very life out of you. Some of us might be tired, but you are not alone. In his day, Langston Hughes, the poet, he was tired. But he was tired of churches, and he was tired of the God in those churches. Now, Reverend Michael, what do you mean he was tired of God? I mean, churches in America that weren't talking about equality for all. Churches that were not proclaiming unconditional love for all people. Langston Hughes was tired of them, and he was tired of their God. He was so tired that he left the church and decided to fight for equality outside the church. Now, many good and decent Christian folks criticized him because of his humanistic leanings. Now today, many good Christians still criticize him. But before any of us in this room begin to condemn or criticize Langston Hughes, let us first remember that many of us have had to leave some churches because we were tired. We were tired of being told that we were going to a place called hell. We were tired of being told that we weren't good enough or worthy enough. We were tired of being told that there was something intrinsically wrong and evil with us. We were tired of those churches and even more, we were tired of the God in those churches. You see, because that God was an idol. It was an image of God that wasn't about good news at all. It wasn't affirming. It wasn't anything that is truly of spirit. And so we left that image and we left those churches because sometimes we do get tired. We get tired when we see pain in people's lives, when people are suffering, when people are struggling, when people can't even smile. I get tired of seeing people hurt because of something that they have done. Maybe something that their loved ones have done to them. I get tired of seeing people hurt because of unsafe sex practices. It bothers me so much I can't even say it in church. Sex practices. I get tired of hearing the shame in people's voices when they talk about how God must not love them because of who they sleep with. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, I get tired of hearing the shame in people's voices when they talk about how God must not love them because of who they do not get to sleep with every night. I get tired of hearing and seeing the pain. You know, Jesus got tired also. Jesus got tired of people being sick, and so what did he do? He healed them. He got tired of people being hungry, so what did he do? He fed them. 
He got tired of prostitutes and criminals not being loved. So what did he do? He loved them. He got tired of lepers and unclean folks not being touched in society. So not only did he touch them, but he hugged them. He got tired of Herod and these religious leaders who were acting like foxes who prey upon the most vulnerable. They oppress and they kill the needy and the poor. And so Jesus, like a mother hen who gathers her chicks under the protection of her wings, defends and protects them and does the same for us. In the first century, something happens though. People begin to talk about Jesus. And news spreads like wildfire. And Jesus develops this reputation, not like he has today. It wasn't the best in the first century eyes. You see, you begin to read it on TMZ.com. You'd read it on the gossip blogs about Jesus and what he's doing with these poor folks and with these prostitutes. You would even begin to see it on Facebook or even Twitter if he was here today. You would see headlines like, Holy man eats with dirty sinners. Galilean peasant frees prisoners. You'd see controversial headlines and tweets like, Jesus enjoys the company of prostitutes. All over social media, all over the villages, wherever it might have been, word spread around and this person named Herod gets word. He begins to see and hear all that Jesus is doing and he hears it on the streets. And Jesus, simply by telling people that they are just as important and just as sacred and just as worthy as any king or clergy person or religious person, by doing this, he single-handedly turns society upside down. Herod can't stand it, and he tries to discredit him. He tries to harm him, and people of God, he wants to kill him. Religious leaders tell Jesus to shape up, get out, or else Herod is coming for you, so you better get away from here. But Jesus is tired. He doesn't give in. This child of God has the nerve to say, you go tell that fox Herod. I would have used a different adjective. <laughs> that while he's complaining about me, people are being set free. That while he's talking about me, people are being loosed from the bondage of fear and the demons of their past. That while Herod is hating on me, folks are being healed from their own self-hatred. You tell Herod that while he's upset and wanting to harm me, people are reclaiming hope and claiming their dignity and bringing back the joy in their lives. And you tell Herod that while he's trying to kill, lives are being saved. But that's not all. Jesus has a little more to say. He says, you tell that fox, I'm going to continue to spread good news no matter what. Today, and I'll do it tomorrow, and I will do it the day after, and then some. And you tell him that. Now you may say, oh, well, Jesus is supposed to say that. But it's a bold act. It was a bold act for slaves to run away from their masters. It was a bold act for a black gay poet named Langston Hughes to fight for justice and equality in a time when the church would have none of it. Sometimes life requires bold action. Sometimes it requires courageous action. And sometimes that action is simply building up the nerve to keep traveling on your own journey. Sometimes it's about just fulfilling the call that already has been given to you. Sometimes you have to keep on spreading good news even when you get tired. 
MCC in the early years. Sort of developed this reputation among the more conservative right-wing churches. In fact, many of them still uh, uh, will spread rumors about us today. Many of them used to say that we're godless. They said we're liberal. They said we lead good Christians astray. They say we lead good people of God straight to hell. But you know it's not just the churches who talk. It's some of our friends and it's some of our family members. People will say things like, oh, they go to that church with all of them, those people. Oh, that's not a real church. They're not really experiencing the presence of God. But I dare say, I know them and you know them also because you've experienced it yourself. People can talk all they want and they can hate and they can complain. But you know that your life has been changed. People can talk all they want and yet you know that people's lives have been healed. People have been able to reconcile their sexuality with their spirituality. People have begun to smile again like they never have before. People have begun to experience the joy of God that they could in some of those old churches. People of God, you have experienced new life and you've spread it yourself because of MCC and because of your presence in this ministry. For 40 years, resurrection has been alive and well in Houston, Texas. And we're about to uh, celebrate our 41st anniversary in a couple months and thank god we've got a new senior pastor we've got a lot of new folks we've got a lot of joy and we've got a lot of strength and though we may get tired we're going to keep on keeping on Amen. and there are other situations that we deal with in our personal lives you see, it's so easy to keep on keeping on when everything's going well, right? Oh, but sometimes life happens. Sometimes life gets a little loud like it was on the drum, and we have to sort of shift ourselves, but we still have to breathe. We've still got to take all that we are and combine that with what Spirit has for us. And so no matter what comes our way, we still keep on pushing forward and spreading good news. I'm reminded a few years back, before I came to Resurrection MCC, actually this was a good part of the reason. There were many reasons, uh, namely that of spirit, but there was uh, a working in all of this. A few years ago, my uh, grandfather was diagnosed with uh, cancer, and some of you may know this story. Of course, he was the father figure in my life, and he wasn't always the best father figure, you know, but he did good. I think, oh, didn't he do good? I think he did good, you know? But it sort of taught me about the real world. And so my mother would drop me off in the morning, and he would take care of me. But as soon as she would leave, we'd go to the pool halls and play with the waitresses and eat all these junk food. But he was sure to bring me back before she came and picked me up. He was diagnosed with cancer, and he was given eight months to live. Thank God, he pressed it out to ten. He had this spirit in him that said, I'm not going to let this get in my way. I've still got work to do. There's still work that has to be done. And so he started building on the house. He started building this extra room for one of my cousins. He started cooking still. He would still throw all these parties. And even though he knew his time was short, he was still pressing on because of the, he knew the work 
still had to get done. And as I visited him for the last time, two weeks before he passed away, and I hadn't seen him in about, a, it had to be a couple years, it was a good while, and I see him, and he's, you know, in a hospice bed in his own room, and I walk in, and the first thing he asks is, where's your friend? I had never come out to him, but of course, uh, uh, everyone knew I never had the chance to tell him because some, some things you just don't say over the phone, but everyone else knew. And then you come in. I did. And I was a little upset at first because I wanted him to recognize me, and here he was asking about someone else who wasn't even blood-related, you know? <laughs> and yet even still, he knew that this person meant so much to me, to my life, to my spirit, that even on his deathbed, he would recognize that person. That is what it's called spreading good news. That's what happens when you are so filled with the Spirit that even when you get tired, when you get weary, when your life is filled with sickness and even cancer, you even still keep on moving on. That is something that he did, and I will always remember that. But that's something that we do in our daily lives. When we get weary, we know Jesus got weary. We get weary too. But just like Jesus... Even when he's confronted with the possibility of Herod harming him, he responds by saying, I'm still going to spread good news. I'm still going to stand up for justice. I'm still going to stand up for the inclusive love of God, and I'm still going to spread healing wherever I am. He does not give in. It's because Jesus isn't interested in defending the status quo. And though our past sort of builds us, we don't focus on that. Jesus isn't concerned with returning to the past. He doesn't want to let the privileged or the elite feel like they are more important than the foreigner or the prostitutes or the orphan or the poor or any of those who are on the margins of society. Jesus is about spreading love and good news to all people. And should we not do the same? Sometimes you hear things from foxes. Sometimes we hear them from hens. Sometimes they're from our past, and sometimes they're in the wilderness of the present. But whatever is around you, behind you, or in front of you, be sure to listen to what Spirit is doing, and always remember that no matter what you hear, somebody got healed. No matter what you hear, somebody's burden was released. No matter what you hear, somebody had their hope renewed and somebody came out as the person they were meant to be. No matter what you hear in the wilderness, somebody laughed out loud for the first time, hallelujah, in a long time. And so no matter what we go through, we look at the good that is being done, but we don't stop. We keep on going. And so not just today and tomorrow and the day after, but this week, the following week and the week after, and this month, and next month, and the month after, and this year, and next year, and the year after, there is so much work to be done. Children, don't get weary. Even when there are consequences, Jesus was still committed to the movement of God's kingdom. And shouldn't we do the same? Thank God. Herod was going after him. And I'll tell you this, Rome eventually got to him. But he still worked that day, the next, and then on the third day, the people of God experienced resurrection. Even in the midst of death itself, we still keep on going on 
towards good news, towards wholeness. And so just as the spiritual says, children, don't get weary. Children, don't get weary. Children, don't get weary. Till the work is done. So remember to breathe. Don't get weary. There's work to be done. Amen.